Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. I wonder, every time Pavlov heard the phone ring, did he think he had to feed the dogs? Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining pipe-smoking broadcast. For those of you 18 and over, yes, you must be of legal smoking age to enjoy this fine professional broadcast program that we put together here for you once a week on uh, PipesMagazine.com. I am your host, Brian Levine, and in tonight's show, in Pipe Parts, I'm going to talk about uh, tobacco storage. Yeah, going to talk about tobacco jars and canisters and tins and baggies and all that stuff because I saw something on the forums that related to Tupperware, so I want to hit on that. Uh, My guest tonight is Tyler Beard, maker of Tyler Lane Pipes and uh, part of the uh, founding fathers of the Pipe Makers Forum, so we'll have him on and uh, got a special piece of music, well not, not music, got a special piece for the music section that includes a recording of J.R.R. Tolkien. So you'll have to hang on and listen to that all the way at the end. A uh, somewhat abbreviated and slightly varied mailbag this week. And then a rant. All that coming up in a 100% pre-recorded episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yeah, I spent this weekend out in L.A., took my daughter with me. We got to see some family, got to spend a day at Disneyland, and then I worked all day Monday. And today, Tuesday, flew home all day, and we were going to cut it awfully close, so we just decided to pre-record tonight's show. Uh, Hope you all are getting ready for the football playoffs. Super Bowl is coming up, and that means that the NASCAR season is revving up, and uh Currently around here, the NASCAR season is revving up with uh, Kurt Busch and his uh, allegations against his ex-girlfriend and her allegations against him. So, celebrity craziness hits NASCAR. Yeah, if you haven't been following that, check it out. It's uh, He claims she's a, a ex-trained assassin and he's... Uh, anyway, it's just gone, it's just gone bizarre. So, all right, everybody. Sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And here we go. This is Internet Radio. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achilles Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for cupofjoes.com. CupofJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupofJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupofJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook. CupofJoes.com, quality products at extraordinary prices. Welcome back. All right, I also forgot to mention, as I'm flying back on uh, Tuesday today, tomorrow, Wednesday, Our own Kevin Godby is flying out to the West Coast and going to be the speaker at the Seattle Pipe Club's annual dinner. So next week, hopefully, we'll get a little recap on how that went. All right, so uh, storing of tobacco. And here's what happened. I was skimming around the PipesMagazine.com forums, and there was a a forum thread about ghosting in Tupperware. And yeah, all right, don't put tobacco products into plastic 
Tupperware is a plastic product, which is petroleum-based, and if you leave yeah, ketchup or spaghetti sauce in it for too long, it stains it. Tobacco does the same thing to it. It will ghost into it. Coffee does the same thing. It will ghost into it, and you cannot get it cleaned. If you're going to store tobacco for anything more than a couple of days, I've talked about the way I jar up my tobacco. I jar it up into the smaller jars so that it's only what I'm going to smoke within a week of opening it or maybe a couple of weeks because I really don't, you know, once you crack that seal, you really want to smoke all the way through that. So I don't use the really big jars and get like 8, 10 ounces because I may not smoke that. What I do with the jars is absolutely nothing special. I buy them, I pack the tobacco in there and get as much air out, put the lid down, make sure all the tobacco's inside and not not between the seal and the lid, and just tighten it down by hand. Get it hand tight, and then every couple of months I go in there and check them and test the rings to make sure they're tight, and over time you'll hear them burp. Uh, I don't... I don't store the tobacco at any particular temperature. I just keep it out of the sunlight inside the room. Inside the house, somewhere out of the sunlight, so that it just gets ambient temperature. Uh, don't store your tobacco in Ziploc bags. Storage of tobacco in Ziploc bags for long term is bad. The storage of tobacco in Ziploc bags is bad. And this is my own opinion, which I am the leading expert on. But Ziploc bags are meant for short-term storage or to be used while in the freezer, which makes them not as bad. All right, The same thing happens. The tobacco, the flavors, the aroma, whatever it is, will get into the plastic of the bag and eventually break down the bag. Uh, the five-pound bags of bulk tobaccos that we sell... Those bags are 20 mil or 12 mil, depending on the blend. Those are good for about three to five years, and then you want to throw the bag away. Uh, if you want to store your bulk tobaccos and you want to store them in volume, and you don't want the expense of, a, uh, of buying a whole bunch of mason jars or ball jars or whatever you want to call them, let me suggest to you a couple of things. Uh, large glass jars, like your tobacconist has on the shelves. Large glass jars, they must be glass, are perfect for storage. I have some uh, McBaron HH Old Dark Fired, the loose cut, and I've been, you know, you, get it, you can buy it a pound at a time or a couple pounds at a time. I get it, and I put it in a jar, and the jar sits right on the table next to my reclining chair, and it makes it real easy to dip into. But that is a glass jar with a little bit of a rubber lid just to create some air tightness. Uh, you may find glass jars that also have the little lockdown, uh, the little lockdown hinge lids. Those work great, too. If you're going to store an aromatic in a glass jar and it's got any kind of a silicone lid on it, that's going to ghost in. If you're going to store an English blend in any kind of a glass jar that has a silicone lip to it, that's going to ghost in it. So you're going to have to find a blend, obviously, that you like because you're buying it in that kind of a volume. And then you're going to have to use that jar for that blend only. Or in the case of an English, you can go with a uh, you know a variation of an English, but you're going to get the ghosting of that previous blend on it. Uh, one brand that you may look for on the store shelves that I really like for storage of tobacco for long term is Bodum. B-O-D-U-M. Bodum makes very, very good glass canisters that are meant for, uh, meant for kitchen canisters. But they make them in varying sizes. They make them with a really good lid that actually kind of burps out some of the air as you close it. And the biggest ones I have, I think I've been able to get uh, two and a half, three pounds of tobacco into it. Now, it's not optimum for aging, but it is great for storing and getting use in and out of the jar. So again, the glass jars, the big canister glass jars, those are going to be something that you're not going to age in. 
but you are going to use them to access a pound. Or say you smoke a you smoke a pound of uh, of your favorite tobacco over a period of a month. You want to put all that tobacco in that glass jar. That's what those glass jars are for. Don't use anything that's plastic or anything that's metal. There's my opinion, which I am the leading expert on, and uh, I figured I better throw that one out there. And that's hey, it's good advice. Something I do. All right, in just a minute, my uh, discussion with Tyler Beard. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. I'm Mark from Ohio, and I've tried so many tobaccos, but I just still can't find something that is just magical, a tobacco that I can fall in love with. I mean, I've tried reading reviews online and participating in forum discussions only to get burned. When I was about to give up, I discovered this amazing matching system for finding my perfect blend at SutliftTobacco.com. That's how I found my perfect blend, and I just love it. Finding the right tobacco doesn't have to be hard. There are lots of tobaccos waiting for you to fall in love with them. Finding that special tobacco shouldn't be left up to chance. Experience the magic of compatibility with our patented perfect match system. Try it at SutliffTobacco.com. Go to SutliffTobacco.com right now and find your perfect blend. We are back, and I am happy to welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show uh, one of the absolutely nicest guys you'll ever get a chance to meet, uh, pipe maker, founder of the pipemakersforum.com. So please welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show, Tyler Beard. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thanks, Brian. It's a real pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. So let's let's go back and, and start. When did... Obviously, you started smoking a pipe before you uh, started making them, right? I did, but not with too much time differential. I uh, I was into cigar smoking in the when I was in college in the early and mid '90s during the cigar boom. I kind of got into cigar smoking like everyone else did, and I stuck with that for a while. And then around uh, 2000. Uh, my wife's uncle passed away, and I ended up somehow with all of his pipes, and that got me into interested in in pipes. So I started smoking a pipe. Started researching it on the internet, which was not at all like researching things on the internet today. Back in 2000, I think I was done researching pipes on the internet after about four websites. <laughs> that was about all there was. No forums. Uh, most of my information came from alt.smokers.pipes, actually. And uh, so I, I learned all about it, and I learned you could pay exorbitant sums of money, like 75 or $80 for a pipe. Wow. And I was flabbergasted that she would do that. Anyone would do that. <laughs> and so I had all these pipes from my, my wife's uncle, and I... Uh, you know, like anyone who had just learned people spend more money than his were worth, wanted to know what an expensive one was like and uh, how would it smoke? What would it be like to smoke one of these 80 or, yeah, even $100 pipes? And uh, But I couldn't afford to, 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 to buy that. And I thought the magic in a $100 pipe was that it was made out of plateau briar instead of Ebershon briar. I didn't know anything about it at the time, but that's my ignorant impression and so i thought well if i buy a plateau kit for back then at 25 dollars, i'd pay 25 dollars for a hundred dollar pipe and then i'll know what a hundred dollar pipe looks like so i bought a kit within a few months of picking up the pipe and that, that was it for me i've been a pipe making pipes ever since now what were you going to college for what was your uh... <laughs> uh, my i went to college for chemical engineering so so i'm so not a, and and did you succeed in college or did you uh, drop out and uh, learn that cigar smoking was more fun? Oh well, yeah, I learned 
to uh, that cigar smoking was more fun, but I went ahead and stuck with it, finished, and got a degree in chemical engineering. So let's add to that smart guy. Um, <laughs> all right, so you start making uh, you start making pipes, and I mean, how did it go? What was what? Where did you go for help? Um, well, when I, uh, you know, with my first kit, I pretty quickly discovered Mark Tinsky's site. I didn't, I didn't discover it fast enough to buy a kit from him, but, uh, when I was waiting for my kit to come from Pimo, um, in the mail, I, uh, I found Mark's website and he had a few tips for what to do once you got one of his kits. So I read that and, uh, also came across Trevor Talbert's uh, website pretty quickly. Uh, back then, Trevor had a pretty thorough write-up of how he made pipes, including photos of his tools and photos of his pipe making in various stages of the process. And while I didn't have near the tooling he did, it gave me an idea of what I was trying to accomplish. And so that, that's pretty much the extent of my information with that first kit. So when that kit came in, I went to Lowe's and bought a rasp and some sandpaper and uh, started grinding on it. Now, uh, when did you actually start making pipes that you could sell? Well, I think I sold my first one probably, I don't know, six months after that. Um, you know, there was not a, a, a kind of artisan pipe making culture that we see today and so i didn't have any sense of you know trying to build a business or trying to build a reputation i was just playing and people would you know friends acquaintances would see my pipes and want one so i'd sell them and so i think i sold my third or fourth pipe um and i say friends or acquaintances i actually sold my first one on all.smokers.pipes i was just posting pictures so i could get people to Give me feedback. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like looked like a pipe, you know. What would y'all do different? All that sort of stuff. Like I said, it was there was not this sell the pipes you make culture back then. And lo and behold, someone emailed me when I posted one, my third or fourth pipe, and asked what I sell it. Kind of threw me for a loop. I didn't know what to say. Didn't know how much to charge. Didn't know, you know, how to do anything with it. So. I went ahead and sold it to him, and that, that that was the beginning of that, and I've been selling them ever since. So that was probably 2002, I would I would say, I would guess. So in the uh, in the realm of uh, pipe makers today, you're uh, like one of the uh, one of the uh, almost grandfathers. <laughs> yeah, that's scary and true-ish, I guess. <laughs> Certainly on the uh american side of the pond i mean there's plenty of guys that pre-date like jim cook and mike butera and elliot mock walter and lots of mark tinsky obviously and trevor talbot but uh you start running out of folks who make pipes back then pretty quickly and it just wasn't wasn't near as prevalent what were what were some of the harder things for you to learn how to do when you were starting Really, the hardest thing for me to do is get a tendon uh, made properly so that the stem would fit nicely into the stumble. You know, the drill in the mortise was easy, but then turning the tendon was hard. I had a, a, a used tenon turning tool that I actually bought from Todd Johnson. Todd was a couple of years, one or two years ahead of me learning how to make pipes, and so I, I bought his uh, used tendon turning tool and he got his lathe and um, man I, I tell you what that I would buy one or two stems and one block of the briar back in those days because it was all the money I had and for something like that and it would come time to turn a tenon with that tool and I would be so nervous because if I screwed up it was going to be another two weeks before I could keep working on this pipe and I did not want to stop working on it I was loving making pipes and I didn't want those sort of breaks and I would get incredibly nervous and I would say about half the time I'd ruin a stem and I honestly don't remember any time since 
being as angry as I was one time when I had my first acrylics done, which I paid more for, and I ruined it. And I just started screaming like a four-year-old boy and threw that stem across the garage as hard as I could and generally would have embarrassed myself greatly had anyone seen what I was doing. But that was the hardest part starting out was making a nice tenon. So is it safe to say those those earlier pipes, you were selling them for just enough so that you could buy more material to make a couple more pipes out of those? Oh, I don't know. I guess I'd have to figure out what you meant by just enough. The very first pipe I ever sold was $400, so that's pretty high. Um, uh, so maybe maybe that's a touch higher than just enough for more material. Uh so that's what I sold that very first pipe for. Um, and then I sold my second one, I think, for considerably more than that, actually. In retrospect, that was not the right move. But one of the interesting things about being a new pipe maker is um, the people close to you are so excited about what you've done, and they can't believe it, that they tell you all sorts of things that are true like you're amazing <laughs> and that, that your pipe is worth x dollars um and it's a high number and i didn't know any better and so i believed him and asked that much money for one the next ones and they sold <laughs> oops <laughs> <laughs> well you know it is what it is and i i don't think the people that have bought them have regretted it but you know it's all part of it like i said whenever whenever i was first into this there wasn't the kind of artisan pipe making crowd that there is now and we were just or I was just sort of feeling my way around in the dark what is your favorite part of making a pipe probably getting the reaction of the guy who ends up with it uh, I mean if that, that, that's probably not what you meant by the question you probably meant what no. part of the making process and, and shaping is the most fun. I think almost every pipe maker says that when you get a raw block and you first start to shape it in the process, that's the most fun. But yeah, my very favorite thing is when the uh, when the guy who buys it ends up with it and uh, tells me what he thinks of it. And it's even more fun if I am with him when that happens. Uh, talking about shaping pipes, do you do it on a lathe or do you do it more of the Danish style? Uh, yeah, I definitely do more of the Danish style. I do both. Um, you know, having made pipes now for, you know, however long it's been, 2001-ish, uh, late 2000, I don't know when it was, uh, till now with some gaps in between. I've, uh, my first maybe 10 or 11 years were on a lathe drill first and then last three or four have been um, shaped first drill second and it's just a just a whole different approach depending on uh, depending on the style of the pipe maker yeah yeah I, I, I definitely prefer I mean you can make great pipes either way you know the, the pipe and the wood don't care when the hole shows up and when the shape is formed <laughs> um, but uh, as, as as a pipe maker who likes to do creative shapes and follow the grain and all that sort of stuff, uh, you definitely have a lot more options, flexibility, and ability to pull the maximum uh, grain value out of the block by shaping first. But, but you know, uh, either way is great. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about that uh talk about that break from pipe making that you took and we'll talk about pipe makers for them so stay with us we'll be back in just a minute i'm not just a pipe smoker i'm a meerschaum pipe smoker all of my pipes come from meerschaumstore.com they've been in business for 50 years and i can trust that there will be no hassles orders are processed and shipped fast and they have every shape you can imagine including calabash claws dragons horror even a sexy series meerschaumstore.com the most trusted meerschaum store for 50 years meet josh everyone at smokingpipes.com holds customers as a high priority but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, 
Educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes. I smoke them. Call us at 1-888-366-0345. That's 1-888-366-0345. Or check us out online at SmokingPipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are SmokingPipes.com. This is Internet Radio. We are back visiting with Tyler Beard, maker of Tyler Lane Pipes. However, you are also involved in the startup of PipeMakersForum.com. So, or you, or you started it. Give us, give me the background on all that. Sure. Um, well, as I mentioned a minute ago, Trevor Talbert had a website up um, that explained his way of making pipes, and. Uh, I learned from that, and then as I started posting what I was making to all smokers' pipes, um, people started emailing me that were a few months or a year or two behind me in the process of learning pipe making and asking me questions on how I did what I did. And I kept, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed answering those questions, and I kept getting the same questions over and over, though. And after a while, that gets a little tiresome, and so I started publishing. To my website, I had a, a website that I snuck on the back of my father-in-law's business website that I had developed for him. I kind of had a back page that I would direct people to to see pictures of my pipes, and I started posting on that the answers to the questions that I would get in the email, so the next time I got that question, I could just send them to that page, and it was all typed up already. And over the course of a few months, I basically had typed up almost every step of the process that I used, and so I uh, kind of have a big, nice little resource available there, so I started adding pictures and, and doing something with my site that was a lot like Trevor's, and at that same time, Trevor pulled his down, and the reason he did that was as a full-time pipe maker, um, he had done the same thing I had done. He had started publishing his answers to questions in order to not have to answer the same question over and over. And he found that if when you do that and you put this website out that tells how to make pipes, you don't actually decrease the amount of emails you get. You increase the amount of emails you get because <laughs> you start to be seen as the purveyor of pipe making information. And so he making his living at pipe making needed to be making pipes instead of answering emails. And so he actually pulled his pipe-making website down to stop the email flood that was coming in. And he and I actually had a conversation some sort about that. I don't remember how, probably via email. And, and so I had the wild hair that, um, hey, these new things called forums are becoming all the rage. What if I created a pipe-making forum so that – I could direct people from my instructional website to take all their questions there, post them in public, and then kind of the community that developed there could answer the questions that arose instead of me having to answer all the questions that arose. So I kind of created Pipe Makers Forum in self-defense in order to prevent from happening to me what happened to Trevor. And that was in 2003, I believe. And that's how Pipe Makers Forum got started. At, at the time, it was just on the back side of my website. By this time, I had gotten my own domain name, and it was Tyler Lane Pipes. And for those that might be confused about why my name is Tyler Beard and my pipes are Tyler Lane Pipes, Lane is my middle name. So uh, TylerLanePipes.com was my website, and I installed a forum on that, and that's where Pipe Makers Forum began. And that's was, like I said, about 2003. Do you need to be a pipe maker to join the forum? No, you absolutely don't. Um, there, uh, There's a fair number of folks. I, I don't know how many. I guess there would be no way for me to really know um, that, that are part of the forum that 
interact and um, don't make pipes. And there are certainly hundreds, if not thousands, of people that have registered on the forum that, have, that don't post. And so I have no idea, you know, what 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 they, um, you know, whether or not they make pipes. But you don't have to register to read it. It's, uh, you know, it's an open forum, and you can go dig around on it and learn about piping, even if you've never done it, or even if you're just a curious collector. And you might learn about some new pipe makers that you've never heard of. It is a great place to learn about new pipe makers. I always am aware of who uh, the new guys are because of my involvement. I shouldn't say it that way. I guess it's not universally true that I know who everyone is, but it's been a great fun resource for me over the years just to know who the new guys are and see what they're up to and watch them develop. It's been a lot of fun. And this is a place where information is shared open and freely and there's no cost to post to it and no cost to get answers for stuff. It's just wide open free. And there is a whole nother service to the pipe community that is just sitting out there and being supported by a couple of really kind people doing it just out of their own, uh, out of their own interest. Yeah, it's just something that is fun. And, you know, I need to interject here that Kurt Hewn, or, you know, honestly, I don't even know how to say his last name, H-U-H-N. Yeah. Kurt, is it Hunt or Hewn? I don't know. Call me. Anyway, um, Kurt... Um, had took over Pipe Makers Forum in about 2005, and that's actually when Pipe Makers Forum uh, came off of my website and had its own domain where it itself existed. Um, so, you know, you kind of spoke uh, in the plural about those of us who run it, and it's Kurt and I, and Kurt um, started doing the heavy lifting behind the scenes of the database management and software updates and all that sort of stuff in 2005, so 10 years ago now. Because in 2005, it's when you kind of uh, stepped away from pipe making? Right, right. In 2005, I decided that I needed to take, well, I'd I say take a break now in hindsight because now I'm back doing it, but at the time, I decided to stop pipe making. And uh, at the, t the, the reason for that was I have five kids, um, and at the time four, but they were one to eight. And wow. my wife was uh, kind of up to her neck and, you know, going crazy, doing motherly things, and she needed my help. And I kind of came to the realization that I would rather – um, be known as a great dad and a great husband and a great pipe maker when it was all said and done, and that I needed to uh, not do pipes at that time because I was, I loved it so much and I would be so focused that I would go out to my shop with the intention of spending an hour on a pipe and I'd look up and it'd be it'd been four hours and I would go back into the house and you know my wife would be duct taped to the ceiling because the kids had taken over and <laughs> I decided. I probably wasn't doing it just right at this time, and I tried to back off and do it in moderation, and I was just unable to pull that off. I would always find myself falling too far in, so I just decided to step away from it. And honestly, pipe makers forum was as much a part of that as pipe making was. I would spend eight or ten or more hours a week working on the site, and you know maybe an equal amount of time making pipes. And I just didn't have those kind of hours for a hobby at that time. And so I decided to step away because I was unable to do it in moderation. So in 05, at the Chicago show, I brought four or five pipes and told everybody, if you want one of my pipes, buy one of these because I'm not doing it anymore. I need to step away uh, into my family. And at the show, I tried to see who might want pipe makers forum. Of course, it wasn't called that then, but who might want the pipe making forum, I guess would be a way of describing it. And ultimately, Kurt and I decided he was the man for it, and so I transferred all the information, all the databases to him, and he installed them at pipemakersforum.com, and there it still rests. Let me, let me see if I can uh, say this correctly, but I think that's a, uh, an incredibly wise move to uh, make sure and 
get the family time in there because the kids age and they age whether you're there or not. Yeah, they do. And it happens quickly because it feels like 2005 was about four and a half weeks ago and that eight-year-old is about to graduate from high school in a few months. So um, I, it, I, I can't believe it's all gone by so quickly, but that's how it works. And the and now you're back to pipe making and you're just doing it part-time kind of on commission and, uh, and request basis? Oh, well, yeah, sort of. I mean, it's certainly part-time just something I do to play so it's still a hobby for me like it was before um, but I don't actually take commissions that's another thing I learned the first time around I had a stockpiling I had I had 45 people on a list wanting pipes for me in 2005 when I quit and uh, that just was sort of overwhelming and then every spare minute needed to be making pipes and that just wasn't a good good thing as you, you know obviously it was enough that I needed to quit, so I contacted all those people, told them where I was, said I wasn't going to be able to pull that off. I had not taken any money. I hadn't even made them promises on timing. I just told them I'd put them in the list, on a list in order that they came to me. So uh, when I decided to quit, I contacted them, said I, I won't be doing that. Um, sorry. And uh, and so coming back now, I uh, knew not to take any commissions. It, it just doesn't work because if I, if you commission a pipe for me, I have no idea if I'll finish it next week or a year and a half from now. And that just doesn't seem fair. So I don't do it. And for you doing it part time, is it more fun for you to just go into the workshop and, and look at the block of wood and make the pipe that jumps out to you than it is trying to fill a commission or a shape that somebody wants? Absolutely. And that's a big part of, that not taking commissions um you know when when you get a big list stacked up and you've got 10 people that are patting their foot waiting on you and then you know you've got to make seven billiards in a row you know it just kind of takes it turns into work instead of play and i i want my playtime to be playtime <laughs> and, and the and the playtime is in the workshop and the playtime is in the workshop for me that's exactly right now you don't really update your website all that much, although you've got a beautifully laid out website. You sell most of your pipes through Instagram and Facebook? Yeah, that's correct. Social media in the last couple of years has been a real boon for pipe makers. Uh, but yeah, I, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter uh, is pretty much the online mechanism for my sales because and it kind of happened by accident. Um, I would just take a picture. Instagram is so cool and easy for taking fun pictures. I would just take a picture of a pipe. You know, I'd get done in the evening playing out in the shop, and I'd have a pipe halfway made and take a picture of it. And someone would email me from that picture and say, hey, is that pipe sold? No, it's not. Well, can I buy it? Sure. And so um, that just kept happening and still happens. So... Uh, rather than go to all the time, effort, and trouble of getting out the light box and taking eight photos of the pipe from every direction and uploading the website and cropping them and, you know, light adjusting and all that sort of stuff that takes, you know, an hour to post a pipe, I can take a picture with my phone in 10 seconds and, um, you know, go to bed, wake up the next morning, and somebody wants it. So it's, uh, it's, it's an incredible convenience and a great way to broadcast your pipes out to the world. And the beauty of it, of course, is they don't have to come to your website. You don't have to figure out ways to get people to come look at your website all the time to see what you have for sale. They actually sign up to have it come to them all the time. So they're following you on Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is, and it just goes out to them so they can have pipes, pictures delivered right to their phone. And I, I, so, you know, 10 seconds 30 seconds of my time and you know 1500 people or some such number are seeing the picture another 20 or 30 seconds later and it's an amazing tool all right so i know i know nothing about instagram i know very little about twitter but how does somebody if i go on instagram how do i do i just search for pictures of pipes and pipes start coming up or do I have to know your well, name or? Yeah, sure. Good question. Um, 
there's a number of ways to do it. I mean, you could certainly search for my name. You could search for Tyler Lane Pipes and pop up, up, and you could click on it, and it show you me and my pictures, and you could push the follow button, and from then on, I'll just show up in your little feed when you turn off and you, when you open Instagram. But that's actually what hashtags are for. Uh, whenever you hashtag a picture, you identify it as sort of a category, whatever your hashtag is. So if you do hashtag tobacco pipe or hashtag pipe making, that categorized that photo. And so you can go on Instagram and search hashtag pipe making and hundreds and thousands of pictures will um, appear and you can scroll through them and see him. You can click on that picture, see who took it, click follow on him, and from then on you see all these pictures as he posts them. See, and I thought the hashtag was the tic-tac-toe sign. Well, you can play tic-tac-toe with a hashtag, but um, it's a little small. Yeah, I'm, I'm highly sophisticated on the uh, Twitter and hashtagging. So. Yep, yep. So Twitter, does the, Twitter and Instagram work the same way with hashtagging. It's a way to categorize what you wrote about or the picture about. Is there a whole bunch of pipe makers that are using Instagram and, uh, and Facebook as their only selling vehicle? Um, I guess I don't really know the answer to that for sure, but it sure seems like it. I mean, I think it's probably fairly common to have some sort of website out there like I do it almost acts like a brochure. You know, it's pretty static, and it just kind of tells a bio and maybe has a few pipe pictures on it, and pictures in the shop, and, you know, some links to how to find you, me on Instagram or Facebook or whatever your social media of choice might be. And it, it just stays pretty static because it's so much harder to update a website than it is to just snap a photo with Instagram. But... There are a lot of pipe makers on the social media, so whether or not they all, you know, have some sort of website, I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's an amazing tool for pipe makers, and it's an amazing tool for collectors to see what pipe makers are up to. And another way to spend several hours poking around on websites or pictures and stuff, and yeah, absolutely. And and you know, oftentimes you scroll through and. Um, you find a picture, you know, a pipe like this, and you click on it, pops up the guy who took it, and you can, have, there's oftentimes in his little um, bio area on Instagram or Twitter, there's, he's got his website address there, and you can click, click on that and go to his website. And the last question, real quick, any any bit of advice for somebody that's a brand new pipe maker that you give everyone? Get and start trying to make it look like a pipe. There's a lot of ways to do it. There's a lot of tools you can do it with. Doesn't take a lot of money. A kit will cost you 30, 35 bucks. Contact Mark Tinsky, like I mentioned. Contact Pimo. Contact Steve Norse with Vermont Freehand. Get a kit coming your way. Go to uh, Home Depot and buy a file or a rasp if you don't have anything. If you've got a Dremel, use that. If you Got bandsaw you can cut with that. There's a lot of ways to do it. Just get started. We will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe is a little bamboo rusticated Dublin that I made and have just beaten to death over the years. It's the perfect shot pipe. I can set it down on drill bits and nothing will hurt it. And what's your favorite tobacco? Oh, that moves around a lot. I'd have to say right now Stone Raven. What is your favorite drink? Coke Zero. And when it's time to relax, is it a book, a movie, or music? Is an iPad a choice? <laughs> sure. What, what are you watching on? What are you looking at on the iPad? I'm usually working on Pipe Makers Forum or browsing another Pipe Forum or reading the news. <laughs> and last question any particular pipe related memory that we haven't talked about yet? Absolutely. 
2005 Chicago show, I went there knowing that that was it. I was going to quit. I was going to tell everybody I was going to quit. And I had the hope of buying a pipe from my favorite pipe maker, Tom Tank. And I was able to pull that off. I didn't buy it directly from him. I found one on an estate table that it was unsmoked. It was gorgeous. It was in my price range. I bought it. I bumped into Tom later at the show, told him how excited I was to have one of his pipes. We sat down together, and I filled it up with tobacco out of his tobacco pouch and smoked it with him right there on the spot. It was a great memory. And that's probably how he probably felt the enjoyment watching you smoke his pipe just the way you enjoy watching guys get your pipes. Well, I'll tell myself that, regardless <laughs> of whether or not it's true. The uh, website again is Tyler T Y L E R Lane L A N E Pipes dot com Pipe Makers Forum and then there's all the hashtagging and Instagrams and all that stuff, right? <laughs> yep, and they're all at TylerLanePipes dot com for Twitter or Instagram and Facebook. I have a Facebook page that's Tyler Lane Pipes. So if you search Tyler Lane Pipes on any social media, you'll probably find me. And I was looking on your Facebook page. You've got five kids, and is the youngest one your son? My son is the youngest. I've got four daughters and a son. Oldest daughter is 18. My son, the youngest, is 10. Well, let me just say bless you, and, um, yeah, there must be a must be a wait time to get into the bathroom in the mornings. <laughs> well, that's, that, that, that would be true, except I bought a house that had... More than one. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah. Tyler, thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Brian. We'll be back in just a minute. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on sutliffmoltodolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is molto dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sightlift Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Malto Dolce blend in public. Well, there you go. Another guy that's uh, doing a whole bunch of stuff for the hobby, started stuff just for the hobby out of his own goodwill. So uh, do uh, check out Tyler's Pipes and uh, check out Pipe Makers Forum, too. All right, so I was uh, stumbling around the Internet and got directed and uh, got poked around and ended up on the telegraph.co.uk, the Telegraph newspaper, and found an article that says the, the sounds of British hit British history from the voice of Florence Nightingale to the testimony of First World War soldiers could be lost forever within the next 15 years, the British Library has warned. And I'll go forward to say uh, experts at the library, which holds a collection of six million sound recordings, claim important and unique sources are at risk of disappearing as it launches a campaign to digitize its entire archive. Among its stores are recordings ranging from 
the call of now extinct birds to 40 years worth of plays starring the likes of Sir Lawrence Olivier and Peter Toole and the entire National Music Collection. Uh, One of the pieces that I really liked and we're going to play here is part of what I believe is an old series of uh, educational series. It's called The English Conversation, and it's probably for people to learn how to speak English in Britain. And it's a conversation recorded in a tobacconist, which later was found to contain the voice of the one and only J.R.R. Tolkien as the customer. So listen to this. You'll hear the announcer, and he's giving you basic British conversation style to learn. And then when he gets into the store, the customer is the one and only Tolkien. Lesson 20. The 20th lesson. At the tobacconist. If anybody were to ask me which shop windows I found the most interesting in London, I should find it very hard to answer. My wife, I know, would be all in favour of the drapers, the milliners and the jewellers. My eldest son would be all for the sports shops with our golf clubs, tennis rackets, cricket bats and football. The children would vote for the toy shops. And I, well, I must confess to a weakness for the tobacconist window. Not that I smoke a lot, but there's something fascinating about seeing the neat little piles of different coloured tobaccos, the beautifully polished briar pipes, the attractive boxes of cigars and cigarettes. If you smoke a pipe, you have the choice of dozens of excellent brands of pipe tobacco. If you are fond of cigars, then you can get them at any price you care to pay. And if you prefer cigarettes, then you may have Virginian, Turkish, or Egyptian, whichever you like. Virginian cigarettes are, of course, those made of American tobacco. Matches are good and cheap, and you'll find all kinds of articles for smokers, such as tobacco pouches, cigar and cigarette cases and holders, lighters, and so on, in every tobacconist's window. Many tobacconists, especially in the suburbs, are at the same time news agents, stationers and booksellers, so that you can also buy books, magazines, newspapers, picture postcards and other stationery, notepaper, envelopes and so on. You recommend me some pipe tobacco? Certainly, sir. Mild, medium or full strength? Oh, uh, medium, please. I have a very good mixture of my own. Would you care to try it? How much is it? It's a shilling an ounce, sir, and very cheap at the price. I just keep it for my regular customers. Well, give me two ounces, please. Have you a pouch, sir, or shall I pack it up? Put one ounce in the pouch and pack the other. Thank you. Anything further, sir? Yes. Let me have a box of 50 cigarettes. Virginian or Turkish, sir? Turkish, please. Now, this is a very good cigarette, sir. I think you'll like it. Six shillings for fifty. All right. Give me fifty. And let me have some matches, too. Yes, sir. One box? Yes, one box. How much is that altogether? Let me see. That's two shillings, eight shillings, eight and a penny in all, sir. Thank you, sir. Good morning. So there you have it, an old recording of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien buying 50 cigarettes and two ounces of tobacco and a box of matches for eight shillings and a penny. Uh, What I found was interesting was six shillings for 50 handmade cigarettes or top quality Virginia cigarettes is uh, three times that of the two ounces of tobacco. Looks like prices have changed a little bit. So, there you go. Fun little recording there. There is a message for you. Got an email uh, last week from Scrap Huntington, punk rocker, who was on the show about, uh, oh, was it a year ago already? 
Uh, anyway, Scrap asked that I not use a name or the business, but it is a hospital of a uh, non-Christian faith, and the hospital, uh, Scrap's friend, who used to be his pipe-smoking buddy, used to be, note that, uh, the hospital has a uh, has enacted an anti-100% non-tobacco use policy amongst their employees, and if you're tested to, find, to be found with nicotine in you, you can be fired instantly. Now, this Scraps friend has been working for them for a couple of years, and they enact this policy, and Scraps friend now has to put down his pipe. So, uh, and I also want to note that uh, Scraps friend is an IT professional, not a medical professional, and does not come into contact anyway whatsoever with any kind of patients in healthcare whatsoever anyway at all. So there you go. Hospitals are now trying to uh, cut into the. Uh, Smoking choices of their non-medical professionals. Uh, Alright, on the forums. I thought it was fun. There has been a thread bouncing around for a while, and it got activated again last week of people's answers to the Fast Five final questions. So, uh, Brian Davidson from Canada. Thought I'd read a few of my favorites. Uh, Brian says, his favorite pipe, Brigham 426 in the Chinook finish. Uh, favorite tobacco, MM965, and hang on for the rant for later on that one, or Carter Hall. His favorite drink, coffee, prefers a movie, although music is nice, while up at the trailer, and his uh, favorite memory is sitting in the early fall around the campfire by myself, still warm, dog at my side, with a coffee in hand and my pipe. It was heaven on earth. Uh, Pipe Bomb 81. P I P E B A U M 81. Favorite pipe is his Ferndown Bark Bent Bulldog. Favorite tobacco is Scott's Butternut Burley. Favorite drink, water. I like this. He says, Water. No joke. I learned to drink and truly enjoy it in my early 20s, and I'm so grateful. I have to agree with you. I drink at least. I drink at least. 64 ounces of water a day. Uh, Time to Relax. It's a book and, of course, a pipe with it. And this is the one I like. He says, uh, what's your favorite pipe smoking memory? Such a great question in his humble opinion. Best question. Uh, The responses have been priceless. I am a seven-month noob, so there isn't much to share. This New Year's just passed, however, was memorable. Deployed and without loved ones... I purposely was out at the DTA, not sure what that is, that's military stuff, but DTA for arrival of midnight. With pipe in hand, I spoke with my fellow service member smokers, and we congratulated each other on another year come and gone. Here's to many more fine memories. Isn't it great that a bunch of uh, of guys out serving our country could uh, get together for a smoke uh, and then finally, we'll do one more. Uh, 8180 WON writes I've been a member of the forum for about eight months and have slowly been playing catch up. I just finished episode 71. Every episode, I've been answering in my head my own responses with the guests, and for the most part, the answers have usually been the same. Uh, favorite pipe of Boswell's Shot Shell. My GF got me for my birthday last year. Favorite tobacco is 2015 Escudo or Old Dark Fired. Favorite drink, Lafroig or Double Black Label. A movie is his thing to relax. And finally, his favorite, uh, favorite memory... I've never really had a good answer for this question until last week. I took a mini trip by myself to visit with some friends and family. While on the road, I managed to smoke eight bowls and listen to nine episodes, and all the while kept thinking how awesome it was. Every time the question came up, I kept thinking to myself, this is it. Glad you're enjoying the show. That means a lot to me. And uh, only uh, eight months on the forum... Hey, you got a whole bunch more memories coming up. A whole bunch more. Uh, Let me touch on a couple of quick things before we head off to uh, rant time. One, Harry Connick Jr. is hitting it out of the park on American Idol. 
He is hilarious, charming, yes, bromance going on with uh, me and Harry, although Harry doesn't know it. Uh, but if you're not watching American Idol right now, they're in the pre-judging and selecting who's going to Hollywood stuff, so it's not really performances, and it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, cruise update. I will have information on the exact ship that we are going on and the exact price that we are going on in the next episode of the show. And remember, it's a pipe smoking cruise with me. We will gather once a day as a uh, group of pipe smokers and sit around. We'll do some samplings. We may uh, bring some uh, pipes to show and and tell about. But every day we'll get together for an hour or two in a smoking lounge. We're looking at uh, September. First weekend in September, leaving on Carnival Cruise Lines. I do have about, uh, I've got about 10 people that have sent me letter emails of interest. Unfortunately, we need to get up to 16 cabins full and 32 people in order to get the discount. So that's you and your significant other. We just need to fill up 16 cabins. Or you and a buddy that want to share a cabin. We need to have 16 cabins full with two people in it each in order to get the discount. So email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, and we'll have the information all next week, the exact pricing and the itinerary. And rant time is coming up. Eck, I wish I had a genie who could make it easy to order pipes and tobaccos online. You don't need a genie, sir. Visit fournoggins.com. They stock all your favorite pipes and tobaccos, and every order gets fast personal attention. Orders are packed carefully and shipped quickly by priority mail. Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com. I can still see you, you know. A bit rusty, sir. Fournoggins.com. The Carolinas and the tobacco tradition have been woven together generation after generation. From the Blue Ridge Mountains to the coastal low country, it's an integral part of our culture and heritage, building our beautiful tapestry. Cornell and Deal is proud to blend our pipe tobaccos in the Carolinas. Our history with tobacco dates back to the mid-1800s, and in that time we've perfected a variety of blends. The Carolinas have given us the perfect backdrop to do just that. Whether you're a fan of the rich Virginias, bold Latakias, spicy Periques, or unique aromatics, we've got a tobacco that's just right for your discerning taste buds. At Cornell and Deal, we live all things pipe tobacco, blending it, smoking it, and enjoying the company of those who share our excitement. Tobacco, it's what we do. Stop by CornellAndDeal.com. This is Internet Radio. Cowboy. Cowboy. I'm going to rehash this rant just a little bit. Yeah, rehash it from about oh, two years ago, but here it goes again because I was talking to Ben Rappaport after the show and uh, had a couple of great discussions with him afterwards. Anyway, uh, abbreviations are killing us on the forums. The forums, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you're posting, those are all searchable things, and if you abbreviate then it's hard to find it. Not only that, if you abbreviate, it makes the reader it, it makes the reader wonder what they're reading. And I'll pick on my friend Brian Davidson again because he put on his post MM965. Well, MM could stand for, in our lingo, my mixture, which I knew that's what it meant after I looked at it, but it could also stand for Missouri Meersham, it could stand for a special code of some tobacco that he gets from somewhere else, or in my own personal thing, hey, MM, you know, little Mickey Mouse. Anyway, if you're going to post something on the forums, or if you're going to send, if you're going to put something out there, and you're not in a rush, it's not like you're texting somebody and it's a quick message that you're urgently typing out. You're sitting down at your keyboard and 
you're thinking about thoughts and take the time to type it out. Take the time to type it out. It makes it much easier to search it. And then we don't have to wonder what you are talking about. There are so many times when I see people abbreviate brand names and Peterson is one of them. But I, I saw one post where the guy was talking about that they had a nice size bowl on Pete, on his Pete. Well, I'm thinking, okay, what does he call, what does he call him Pete? Well, in pipe terms, yeah, we know it's a Peterson, but if you just glance at it real quickly, there was nothing else. It was a reference to the size that he likes large bowls, or they were talking about large bowl pipes, and he said, <laughs> I have a nice size bowl on my Pete. Okay, so anyway, there it is. Take the time, type it out, please. It makes it much easier to search, and we're not in a rush to do it. All right, uh, hope you enjoyed the show. I want to thank Tyler for joining me. Lots coming up. Remember, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com, if you are interested in the uh, upcoming cruise. We'll have more details next week. And leave us a rating or review on iTunes. If you haven't done that, we would appreciate that. Tell all your friends about the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the Sutliff Tobacco Company. And until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. All right, I'm out of here. Uh, I hear that asteroids machine calling my name from the game room, so peace.